Hi, I'm Kirsten Leo, and this is the Light Path Podcast, brought to you by thelightpathcollective.com. I am passionate about exploring energetic practices, spiritual principles, healing modalities, and connecting to the experience and wisdom of others to illuminate our paths and live at our greatest capacity for abundance, worthiness, and love. On today's episode, I'm joined by Anita East. Anita is an entrepreneur, a CEO of Anita East Medispa. She is a nurse practitioner, an actor, a public speaker, and an author. Above all, she is a mother of two beautiful daughters who is determined to make the world a safer and more accepting place for when they grow up and ask, am I beautiful enough? This chat with Anita focuses on how we can become really engaged in our own sense of confidence and beauty as we discuss all that Anita covers in her book, Beautiful Unique Faces. To learn more about Anita's extensive experience, please see the show notes as well as to how to contact her via her website or to follow her on Instagram at Anita East. Underscore. I hope you enjoyed this episode and it really encourages you to appreciate and love your beautiful, unique face. Anita, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Kirsten. It's so good to be here. No, I mean, you are a busy woman as you go to the show notes just before you even listen to this chat and just read Anita's bio and you will see, I don't even know how you made the time to sit with us, but I really appreciate that you did. So let's kick it off uh, with your favorite quote. Okay. Well, that's an easy one for me because it is simply take your time to respond. Now, this is actually, this isn't a famous person's quote or, you know, some amazing entrepreneur or anything like that. It's actually one that I talk about in my book and it's one that I try to live by as much as possible um, in that I've created this idea of taking your time to respond. The reason I love this quote is because so much of today is about now, 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 now. It's hustle, hustle. And it's about having to respond to people really quickly. Do you know what? My background was intensive care and emergency medicine, right? That is stuff where you can't really take your time to respond. You can't sit there when someone needs your, you know, urgent care and just sit there. But in day-to-day life in society, we need to take our time to respond because that way we get to feel truly what our body, our soul, our spirit and our mind really wants to do in response to whatever it is we've been asked to do. For sure. And I think that if you are able to practice those pauses, that it can become such a dynamic time that you get better at it. Yes. Yes. And you get better at saying no to the things that your body's saying, screaming no. And you get better at saying yes to the things that really light you up. I think intuition happens in two ways. It happens in danger response so we Mm. just know straight away and that's Mm -hmm. almost like our higher self pushing forward really intensely to protect us but true wisdom of intuition Mm. comes in that slow yeah absolutely absolutely I totally agree and I think heading into I mean gosh it's 2023 and you know within within a minute of it turning 2023 there was everyone saying you know, what they're going to achieve for the year and what what's going to, you know, they're planning this and planning that and da, da, da. And I'm just like, whoa, settle, pedal, settle, you know. Yeah, calm, for sure. Calm down. There's no need. You don't, and you certainly don't need to share those things with the rest of the world. You can sit with them and say, you know, I think I might like to do a bit more of this. I think I might like to do a little bit more of that and, and just sit with it within yourself rather than having to share it. Because every time I think that you share something, you're taking away a little bit of that special time that you have with it on your own. And you also open yourself up to other people's opinions, energetics, fears, perceptions around it as well. Absolutely. So it taints it. 
Yeah, it does. It does. It does. So if you're kind of saying, oh, I want to do, if you go and put out there on social media land, I want to do, I want to do more running or I want to do more of this. Uh, I want to eat healthily. You know, I want to eat more healthy. I want to focus more on what I'm eating, that kind of thing. Guaranteed within the space, depending on your following numbers, of course, your follower numbers, you'll have a barrage of people saying you're promoting, you know, People not caring about, you know, you're pr- promoting, I can't even think, you know, the, anyone yeah, who you're, you're promoting unhealthy body image or you're yes, promoting unhealthy body. body. Or, Absolutely. Yeah. Whereas if you just think that, that to yourself, write it down, put it on your wall, put it on your mirror, do whatever, maybe mention it, you know, actually use words to say it to someone who who's, you're close to rather than putting it in, in text. And that's the kind of thing. And then when it sits with you, you might do it for a day and go, oh, no, this isn't for me. But you've let it, you've taken your time to respond to the call to do something. Yeah, and you're, and you're wise underneath it, like the, the intention underneath it. And, yeah. you know, this chat being part of our February self-love series, you know, and we're really focusing on self, it is to take that in and take accountability for self really quietly. And I also wrote like draw listeners back to um, the episode, the first episode of the year where I talked about my word for the year was slow. So really funny that you said that quote. Um, And it's not nothing to do necessarily with a particular tangible outcome or goal, although it will, of course, as the year goes on. But it's like what's your your essence or your intention? Yes, absolutely. Because there's so much of there's so much of this, so much of jazz hands and razzle yeah. dazzle and big loud, you know. And then and also what you're seeing in that is these online fights and things happening because someone's gone and blur and someone else has then gone blur. And then there's, you know, if they'd have just taken their time to respond and actually they probably wouldn't have done anything and they might have gone for a nice walk around their neighbourhood instead, (laughs) something completely different that kept their cortisol levels down and their dopamine levels high. And And I think ironically we're going to be talking about and I want to dive into Beautiful Unique Faces, your book that you published a few years ago. But I don't want to sound contradictory in that I do it, you do it, we share our mission and our story. I think it's because it's because it's what we're here to do. Yes, absolutely. So it's a different essence than, oh, I'm just doing this b- because. There's yes. a lot of intent and purpose behind it. So I would love to hear, you know, briefly your story. For those people that are not familiar with you, it is in the book, Beautiful Unique Faces. Go grab a copy um, and you go into it in depth there. But, you know, for people that aren't familiar with you, what mm. are, what's what's Anita East 101? What do okay. we, what are the basics? All right. So I am a cosmetic nurse practitioner. Um, so I've been a registered nurse now for, I want to say, uh, about 23 years, maybe even longer than that, actually. Um, and I am also a professional actor. So I was doing nursing. I left Australia to move to the UK to go to drama school. I went to Central School of Speech and Drama, studied acting um, and singing and worked over there as a singer, uh, TV presenter and professional actor. And it was actually on one of those. I was also, because a lot of people obviously who go to drama school have to do other jobs while they're, you know, like waiting and all the rest of it. Whereas I was working in emergency departments or cardiac intensive care units when I was waiting between auditions and acting jobs, so to speak. And it was actually on one of these film sets that I was on um, where I saw the lead actress turn up on the first day of the film shoot with a completely over, over frozen face and overly filled and very distorted, oddly shaped lips. So in between the time of her going for the audition getting cast and then the first day of the film shoot, she'd gone and had all this stuff done to her face. Now, because of that, the film was an absolute disaster because she was trying to portray the story of a mother who'd lost a child. She couldn't show any emotion. Mm. So I was sat in the the makeup department having my makeup done and the director stormed in and pulled over the head makeup artist and said, what is wrong with her face? What are we going to do? She's about to shoot a scene where she's just discovered. So it's the start of the film, just discovered her child is missing. She couldn't, she couldn't, 
show any emotion on her face. So how on earth was that going to be believable to the audience? Mm-hmm. She couldn't portray the story of the film. And the makeup artist basically said, there's nothing we can do. I can, you know, make her look like she's, you know, can smudge her makeup a bit more, make her look like this. And he said, no, she needs to be able to, you know, show a furrowed brow, show pain in her, in her eyes and in in her facial muscles. And she's like, I can't, she's had Botox. The other thing was she'd had, because she'd had her lips done and they were so much bigger than they were because she had this little petite mouth, which was beautiful. Her eyes, which were previously her unique facial feature, which I discuss a lot in the book, mm-hmm. were, were no longer stood out. It was actually the camera. When you looked at her, you couldn't take your eyes off her lips. When the camera was on her, the camera could do nothing but focus on her lips. So I watched that unfold literally before me and I was like this. And this was back in 2004. Yeah, I was going to ask. So in 2004, there wasn't really mainstream Botox and injections going on, you know, like, gosh, how old was I in 2004? I was living in London at the time as well. Oh, oh, wow. Wow. Um, Oh, my gosh. But it just wasn't a thing. There was no Facebook. There was no Instagram. There was, oh, I, didn't, I wasn't even a member of that. No, so, no. gosh, not very tech savvy, but yeah. there was pretty much email and magazines yep. and that was it. Yep. And it was just starting to get to the reality TV phase. Yes. Big Brother was big. Big Brother yeah. and Keeping Up with the Kardashians oh, just was starting. And that's where we started to see people getting, you know, non-surgical and surgical cosmetic enhancements. So they'd have them, you know, the Kardashians would have. I remember them having, you know, some treatment. Uh, you know, and the the film crew went in and watched them having Botox done or something done. And next thing you know, everyone's talking about wanting to have it done. But at that stage, it was very much just the, you know, the people who were way out of your reach, who were having it done, elite movie stars, you know, those kinds of people who are actually Hollywood stars as opposed to, you know, Zed or XZ list celebrities. It was It was those kinds of people. But it was fascinating that to me, from a medical background and also from a from a, an acting and performing background, to see that someone would do that to their face and that it would completely destroy their ability to portray an emotion and tell a story. So I kind of took it upon myself to discover if indeed, because it was definitely going to be the way of the future, just like smartphones, just like everything else. You could see that it was going to be available to the masses soon soon enough. How could we, and was it possible to make non-surgical cosmetic medicine, cosmetic injectables, actually enhance someone's beauty rather than destroy their faces and therefore their lives as well? So were you thinking about this from a medical, like, perception? I was. I was very much so because I was kind of there. And also as an actor seeing Mm. the change in her face and therefore her, because of the way that people were behaving towards her, her personality as well. You know, she was, she was, you know, she was feeling that people were being different to her. And I started because they couldn't read her, you see. They didn't know. Yeah. They couldn't, you know, like I, I talk about in the book, you know, um, if you're portraying a, a story that's, you know, that's that's sad and you want to invoke empathy from the person you're telling it to, yet you're not showing the emotion that shows that you're sad, then how's the listener, the person you're speaking to, meant to feel? How are they meant to feel that empathy with you? It's very hard to do that. So, sorry, I've gone away on a a little tangent there, but basically, so that I set off on my journey then in 2004. And then I opened, I studied obviously in all cosmetic medicine and I came back to Australia um, 12 years ago and I moved to Melbourne, set up a clinic there. And then I'm in Brisbane now where I've got uh, a clinic as well. So, um, and there was, there was, I don't know if we want to speak about that later, but the inciting incident that basically got me to the point where I needed to write a book was, do you want me to cover? I think I think it's important. Yeah. Because well, I don't think anyone, like, well, no, 
I'm going to re-say that. I don't think it's, I don't think anyone, but most people that I know that have gone through quite a transformative purpose-driven experience goes through something like this. Yes. You, you, know, you guys yes. listening know what I went through um, and yours is somewhat similar, but a little yes. bit different in yes. a way. So whilst you're here, you're, you're, you're working your mission that we'll talk about in terms of making, yes. you know, helping women and guiding women have a beautiful relationship with their face, with the use of injectables and, and non-cosmetic surgery, but you became really passionate, so passionate about yes. it. Yeah. 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 So I, I, was really busy in in my clinic really really busy i was working six at least six days a week um probably 12 hours a day um had two young babies two young children as well so that's always a fun time um and what i was finding was even though i could talk to my patients about what was most beautiful and unique and educate them about the correct treatments for them while they're in my treatment room I couldn't have, I couldn't be on their shoulder the minute they walked out of my treatment room. So there was a lot at this stage. So we're talking about, you know, uh, probably about four or five years ago. There's a lot of people, you know, starting to have injectables pretty much. In fact, the makers of of Botox uh, said that they want injectables to be as common as going and having a haircut. So they actually made that announcement and said, we wow. want to. And, and like hair, hair is something that grows and mm-hmm. hair is something that, you know, is unhealthy almost. That's if we right. Don't maintain. That's right. Not our so, faces. No. So it was a case of, you know, pharmaceutical companies, yeah. um, a lot of, you know, practitioners, everyone, this was a booming, booming I say business in inverted commas because it's medicine first, but it was a booming industry where suddenly, you know, people could have almost the results of having plastic surgery, which for most people was out of their reach. And also they, it's not something they wanted to do, but they could have it with cosmetic injectables. They could have little, what you know, little things done. And I was seeing a big change in people's expectations. And I remember going to a conference. It would have been about five or six years ago now. And at that conference, I looked around the room and everyone, all of the, all of my fellow practitioners were, had jumped on this bandwagon, gone down this rabbit hole of being completely overdone, in my opinion, being completely overdone, overfrozen. Everyone to me looked very unusual. And I was fascinated as to where we, where we lost our way. And I think it's important because as I read your take on that in the book, I couldn't help but reflect. So just to put in context, I live in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. It's a very affluent, extremely affluent. You can't get richer than here, right? Right. So it's an area where, you know, there's certain societal pressures around that. And when you were describing you being at this conference and everyone just looked really overdone, I thought to myself, that's standard where I live. And I can't Mm -hmm. imagine anyone listening to this hasn't, Mm. is now not as shocked as they used to be by someone's big lips or someone's Mm. frozen face or cheeks that are higher than their forehead sometimes. Like it, it does get to look ridiculous. Yes. But to me now it's just so normal yes that a that a natural face is becoming for me in my day-to-day existence an abnormal thing to see wow isn't that funny that just goes to show that's desensitization at its finest isn't it exactly and I mean I'm so guilty of like using filters on Instagram even those level of things and so it's important sometimes to stop and get it mirrored back to you through someone else's story like you shared to be like, actually, this is all of us mm, mm. and the desensitization is dangerous. Yes, and, it is. And, the, and then you just talked about that mission by Botox. I mean, I'm just appalled. But then am I? Because I walk through Woolworths at Double Bay and mm. there is, I think, about four uh, clinics in just that tiny little area and always um we might go into this later but the the co- you know advertising the cost and the which is i i illegal. Was surprised to hear it was illegal yeah mm. in your book. And, mm. and just how like you say easily accessible and normalized mm. it is mm. 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 and it's not just it's not just even the makers of you know of of the main anti wrinkle it's it's actually it's all of them 
it's all of the filler. It's everyone. It's all the, all of the pharmaceutical companies want. You know, that's how they make their money by selling a product exactly. to practitioners like me, who are then going to use it. Now, to use it, we need to put it into someone's faces. So then, what happens as a result is their faces start to look unusual. And what happens, and this is what started to happen, and it happens in society in every single realm. I mean, gosh, you know, people want to make every part of their house perfect. They want to make every part of their outfit perfect. You know, look, think about our makeup now when we can watch stuff on TikTok and Instagram where everything's absolutely perfect. And sometimes, we, yes, absolutely with the aid of filters and so forth. But people were starting to, so practitioners were starting to break down facial features as individual parts of the face rather than looking at the face as a whole. And when you do that, you know, when you go, okay, so let's look at your eye area, let's look at your forehead, let's look at your frown area, let's look at your cheeks, let's look at this area, let's look at the lips, let's look at the mouth, let's look at the chin, the jaws, the neck. You know, you can break it down into as many small parts as you'd absolutely like to. And then you sit there and go, oh, actually, well, you know, yeah, her. if I look at her, her, her lips are a little bit small. Yes, I think we could definitely make them bigger to fit the idea of what perfect lips look like. So let's do that to your lips. Oh, yes, and your cheeks are a bit flat. Yes, I can see that. Yeah, let's make them a bit a bit bigger. Uh, you know, let's give you fake, you know, these idea of fake cheekbones. Oh, your jaw is a bit, yeah, it's, it's a bit weak. Why don't we do, oh, I know, let's give you some jaw filler. Oh, your chin, your chin's a little bit small. Let's, let's give you some chin filler in there. And, oh, yes, you do have a strong frame. Yeah, so next thing you know, rather than looking at the person and going, okay, what is most beautiful about their face they was they just started to fill every little bit up and it was becoming because that's totally against the ethos of of me in life and me in my my clinic and and as a practitioner so i was getting women coming in with pictures you know and men but mostly women coming in with pictures on their phones saying i want to look like this mm. and and it might be them but with a filter on they might have put a filter on their own face and they're saying i want to look like this and i'd say okay so it'd be a lot of education based around why that's impossible you can't replicate a filter um and then bringing people back to what was most beautiful about their face look your eyes are the most beautiful thing about your face your eye color if we go and do this to your chin we're going to detract from your eyes. So, no, we're going to stick to this. And it was becoming, it got to fever pitch. Everyone out there, it felt like everyone out there but me was telling people to whoa, 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 you know, whoa back, you know, hold your horses. Let's think about this. Let's take our time to respond. And it became too much. And on this particular day, I'd become unwell with a virus of some sort. And this was back in 2019. And I get... Uh, asthma, I get viral induced asthma and I'd worked six, seven days, however many days in a row uh, without having a break with the two two kids and my amazing husband who does a lot of the stuff, which is fantastic for us. Um, and I started to have an asthma attack because I was like, I was too ill to go to work, but I went, I wanted to go to, I needed to go to work. I had people coming up from driving up from New South Wales. I had people, I had a full book. I had 16 patients on my list for that day. Mm. I've got to go. I've got to go. I said to my husband and he said, you can't look at you. You're so sick. You can't go. And I was like, and because of probably because of him saying, no, you, you can't go. You're too sick. I started to cry. And then I started to have an asthma attack. And the worst thing you can, do when you're having an asthma attack is cry because you you know you just lose all ability to breathe so I nearly died so I had my a very near fatal asthma attack and that while I was actually losing consciousness I was thinking about the patients that I was letting down that day instead of thinking about my daughters who were at that time you know uh, six and nine and I was thinking about, I should have been thinking about them and my husband, but I wasn't. I was thinking, oh, my gosh, if I don't go then, or if I die, I remember thinking if I die, then who's going to look after them? Who's going to stop them from going down this rabbit hole of perfect facial features? And that is what, I mean, I'm laughing because it's like people come to me all the time, what's my purpose? I'm like, do you really want one? Because stuff like this happens to really know True. your purpose. So. Yes, it does. So, and I don't wish this on anyone. And I'm glad, obviously, that you are still with us and you are able to bring yourself back to a place. But 
from that, I love that this was born, this book. Mm, mm, Yeah. So that was what I call my inciting incident. (laughs) And I came out of that inciting incident. Obviously, it took many, many months because Mm. I was also completely burnt out. So I burnt myself out. I was very sick for months. Um, And then I got a diagnosis, obviously, from my GP of um, anxiety, reactive depression in response to being a young mother with young children and running a business. So that was my actual diagnosis. Um, And I thought, well, I can't be. I can't be with my patients 24-7. I can't actually sit on their shoulder every time they're going to be exposed to some kind of temptation, which they will be. I mean, come on, social media, everything. They're constantly being told you can look like this and this will make you happy if you just have your lips done, if you just have your chin done, your jaw, whatever it is. So I thought, stuff this. I'm sick of talking to my colleagues about it and them not actually making any changes. So what I thought I'll do, I'll write. I love to write. I'll write a book so that I can bypass my colleagues, so to speak, go straight to the people who are walking in their doors, the people who are spending their money in their businesses. So cut out the middleman, so to speak, and go straight to the consumer. And I think, you know, that you speak to, I think, what is often disregarded or ignored in that it is actually our personal responsibility, not the responsibility of, no offence, but the 24-year-old there with a quota to hit in terms of yes. what she needs to fill our faces with. Yes. And it's our responsibility to take charge of our own uh, insecurities, our own intentions behind seeking this. And there's nothing wrong with seeking it. Oh, my goodness, you do this for a living. Um, Absolutely. I have been a consumer of this, if I'm going to be completely honest. Um, and so, But it's our responsibility to make sure that we are um doing it in a really informed way. And this is honestly the first thing I've ever read that lays it out pretty mm. blunt bare to the point in often confronting ways when you read this, the case studies mm. that you present in the book. Mm. And I think that's what's needed to to wake ourselves up to desense, dis, de, I guess, wake us from the desensitization. Absolutely. And to talk about the fact that this is real stuff. Yep. This is real. And if you're thinking that if you're thinking the advertising from a clinic down the road that's telling you that you'll be happy if you get the lips and you're looking at an influencer on Instagram and and they're happy, you know, they're posting something because Mm -hmm. they've just had their lips done. Look at that big cheesy smile and they're so happy Mm -hmm. because they've had it done and you think you actually believe that that's going to bring you happiness, you need to absolutely take responsibility for your own happiness. And that's why for everything that you do in your life and that's why, yes, I present case studies in my book because I, the idea being is I wanted to show people what actually truly happens in the treatment room. This is what happens. It's not glamour. It's not glitz. It's you medical. Know, this is, like it's, it's, it's medical. It's medical and we're talking about people's, people's faces and people's lives yeah. in, in as such as, you know, the very first case study in my book is a woman who, tried to use um, cosmetic injectables to, so that no one knew how she was feeling. No one knew what was going on with her life. So she could essentially put a proverbial mask over her true feelings. Mm. And that didn't end well. It didn't end well. And that's our responsibility, every single person's responsibility. And obviously the light path is a place where we do a lot of inner work, but the reason I wanted to have you on this forum is because we can do all the inner work we want. At the end of the day, with the reality is we are still living in this society. We yes. are still all, every single one of us, myself included, with all that I know and all that I talk about, susceptible to um, being provoked by the insecurities. And that's, like you say, Botox's job was to do that. Um, to in in a way manipulate us in that way, and so when we are comfortable owning and knowing our own unique beauty, and I want to get into that, mm. um, we are going to be have that experience on the outside as we are cultivating on the inside of of self assurance and confidence mm. and love and acceptance and all those things. So I, I do want to dive into that societal pressure, but before we do that, I'd love for you to share your approach to treatment mm. in your beautiful, unique 
facial feature or your uh, your unique facial feature that you talk yeah. about with your clients? So one of the things, instead of this whole idea, like I said, about getting everything done to every facial feature, when you see someone, and we all do it, so when you see someone for the first time, there's something about their face that grabs you. And it's that thing, once you start to know their personality, you generally find that that thing that's grabbed you in the first instance, and it might be it might be their their lips. It might be the way, the angle between the side of their eye down to their cheek. It might be their nose. It might be the color of their eyes. It might be their eyes when they smile. It might be something so subtle and small. And it's the thing that, you know, that makes them so unique. And when you meet someone and when I meet a patient for the first time, I see this and I analyze this. And I so I first, in the first instance, I chat to them. So I've, I've straight away, as soon as I've seen them, I've nutted out what they're, what I call their unique facial feature. So I coined a term, unique facial feature, which basically is a thing that you have that no one else in the 8 billion people in the world has. It's unique to you and only to you. So once you start, like I said, speaking to them, their personality ties in with that. Now, what I will do in the treatment room is I'll go, okay, so, so your unique facial feature is your eyes. When you communicate your eyes, you're so, so interested. You know, I might say that to them, you're, you've got beautiful eyes. And then they might come, they generally come with an idea. I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like the way my frown does this, or I don't like my lips. I want them bigger. So I'll say, okay, if I agree with, with them in terms of, yes, you've got some little frown lines, some deep frown lines here. And because you're such a happy, bubbly person, I can see that they might be detracting from what's unique and beautiful about your face. So why don't we? Yes, we can. We can treat your little frown lines to soften them so that my focus goes back to what's unique and beautiful about your face, which is your smiling, warm eyes. If someone comes in, so it's all about bringing the focus back to their unique facial features. So treating their face so that you're making sure that their unique facial feature is always the lead actor. So I talk about the lead actor and the supporting actors because of my background as, mm. an, as a performer and so forth. So on stage, you've got one lead actor or maybe two if it's, you know, a man and a woman or, what, or a, you know, a, a couple or a love scene or whatever it happens to be. And then the rest of the cast are supporting actors. Their job as supporting actors is to propel the lead actor's story forward. That's their only job. It's never to stand out. It's never to be, I'm going to be the lead now. No, your job is to make sure that the, the lead actors look the best they can look. So if your unique facial feature is your smiling eyes, that's your lead actor. Your nose, your chin, your jaw, your cheeks, your lips are, are your supporting actors and their job is to support your eyes. So if they're detracting, if you do have something happening with your face that's detracting from your your lead actor, absolutely. We can treat that in a subtle way to make it disappear. We do not want those supporting actors becoming lead actors. We want them to disappear so that our focus again comes back to the lead actor. So how do we find our unique facial feature? It's it's an interesting thing, obviously, because if I, you know, when I treat patients, I tell them what the unique facial feature is and I say this is what it is and they quite often they'll say something like, oh, gosh, when I was young, people used to say that I had da-da-da-da-da. I never believed them and so on and so forth. I actually take people through a little meditation in my book yes. about how they can find their unique facial feature. And it's not difficult at all, but it does take a little bit of sitting, maybe in an uncomfortable silence and in, in, in an uncomfortable place in yourself to find out what's most unique about you. So I never, ever, ever want you to ask anyone because that can be so detrimental. If you say to someone, mm. what's my unique facial feature? And they turn around and say, oh, um, oh I don't know. I don't know. Uh, oh, um, oh, gee, maybe, oh, could be, oh, uh, maybe, I don't know. You know, that kind of thing. Could you imagine? Oh, for sure. So what if like, you know, if I... I'll just be really vulnerable if, you know, my reflection on this and, and the feedback that I've gotten in my life, I think my unique facial feature may be the colour of my eyes. That certainly kinda, is. 
that's exactly <laughs> and and I've only just I've only just I mean I've, we've only met over and it's your it's yes. the color of your eyes yeah so yeah I'm gonna be really honest with you I'm like yeah I know that but I still hate my nose <laughs> so it's like how do you kind of bridge that yes I totally I, I understand I absolutely understand and that's a tricky thing that's it's a tricky thing to kind of go because like I said like I do through the meditation when you're asking yourself to reflect on what your unique facial feature is and I get you to go back to you know you you when you're younger and things that have been said to you by people that love you I I say all the things that you hate about your face will now come up all the things that you know you're ashamed, you're embarrassed about you're ashamed about whatever it is they will come up say thank you very much write them down thank you very much but I'm not I'm not here for that at the moment I'm here for what's beautiful about my face and that's about remembering that what is most beautiful about your face i.e. the color of your eyes will always be the thing that stands out most about your face it will always be your lighthouse so even when you're feeling shit sorry even when you're feeling crappy (laughs) about (laughs) not so great about another facial feature if you can remember what's most beautiful about your face it's again about diverting and not going, you know what, I can just go and get that fixed quickly and this, that and the other. It's about focusing on what's beautiful about you. And I, and I think that don't underestimate the intelligence of other people that they are also seeing what's yes. most unique about your face and they're yes. probably not even noticing what you don't like about your no. face. And and when you're, you're, when you're truly love someone, like I remember someone saying to me about a, a partner of mine, oh, he's really good looking. I'm like, oh, is he? I had no idea because I just loved him and I could probably say oh yeah I love I love this about yeah this is quite attractive to me about him but and so we are so judgy yes on ourselves yes as opposed to how other people see us absolutely and also in terms of breaking down facial features so we can easily sit there and go our lips are this our nose is this my cheeks are this but if you look at your face as a whole, all I've done since speaking to you, as soon as I got online and saw you, I went, wow, don't you have incredible eye eyes? Your eye colour is incredible. And this is through this is through Zoom, you know, this know. is through this We're technology. Yeah. yeah. I know. But the whole time I've spoken to you, I've not looked anywhere else. Yeah, and you're probably not going to hang up and go, oh, my gosh, she has the tiniest lips or the biggest nose no. or whatever. I no. don't know. I, I no. don't really think about myself that much if I'm honest. But, like, of course we all have our own insecurities. Absolutely. And so that's the thing is that we, it's about once you've got that, once you know what your unique facial feature is, every time your, mi- your mind goes and tells you the things that aren't perfect about your mm-hmm. face, you go, ah, thank you, but I'm going back to my lighthouse. And my lighthouse is my beautiful coloured eyes. Kirsten's lighthouse is her beautiful coloured eyes, her unusual coloured eyes. So anytime we get pulled into being sucked into, tempted by not feeling good enough, that's where we come back to. And that's why I refer to your unique facial feature as your lighthouse in the book. Yeah, and you got beautiful diagram on that in yes. the book as well. Yeah. So for yeah. us visual learners out there as well, there's yes. that to refer back to. And I think I want to lead into then like it can it that takes discipline, but I think we need to have some really honest conversations about how we've got into this place where you can literally go to Woolworths and pick up milk and at the same time get your face injected next door. Um, quite quick, easily, and cheaply. Mm, so mm. you talk about in the book a society's relationship with gluttony, and mm. it's it's quite a a big word to use, but mm. highly accurate, I think. And we can talk about social media to the cows come home, but really, we wouldn't be affected by it if we didn't have this insatiable appetite. So can yeah. you talk to us about that and how that can help us come back to our lighthouse? Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Like I've like I've said today in today's day and age, and I can only imagine what it would be like in twenty years' time. But in today's day and age, we can have anything we want. We can wake up in the morning and say, "Today, I want to go and buy this. I want to go and buy that. I want to go and change. I want to go and get my lips done today. This is what I want to do today. I want to." And you can do it. By the end of the day, you can you can have done that. 
Even if you don't have the money to do it. Even if you don't have the money to do it. Mm. So you can easily pick up credit and a lot of clinics have credit available um, as well. So, again, it's all about having that little bit of self-control. We see on social media all the time people posting pictures of themselves with a new handbag, with Mm. a new hair, you know, a hair hair, uh, product, uh, a new outfit, yeah, a new physical um, a new body, car, abs all of a sudden bar, straight yeah, away. straight right. away abs, uh, a new car, a new whatever it is, hair, you know, hair that was short one day, long the next, yep. instantly, new lips, new face, yep. yeah. And a- alongside that gushing, that be- that picture of them with this big smile is a gushing post. And the gushing post will be saying, I have never been, this is what you will read, I've never been more happy than I am right now with my new something, whatever it is that I've just purchased. And it's really hard. It's like if everyone everyone is is happy in the happy camp over there and they've all got these new lips, for example, and you're over here and you're like, oh, gosh, so I'm not happy because I've got thin lips and the way for me to be happy is to get, oh, that's achievable. I could do that. I can easily do that. In fact, I'm going to go and do that today. I'm going to go to my local Westfield and go to the toilet. And there's they're advertising the in the in the on the doors, the backs of the doors. They advertise get your lips done while you're here in the public toilets that children you go in with your your nine year old daughter. So yes, there is very much that that kind of idea that we can have anything, have it, want it, see it, buy it, anything then- that you want. And this doesn't lead to the longevity of happiness, obviously, like everyone knows that, but it also doesn't lead to the longevity of authentic living and and really being who all we can be because all that we are is the laugh lines on our face, the furrows on our brow. That's right. It's all the things. That's exactly right. So you can sit there and and you can get these things done, but I can guarantee if if you go and get your lips done because such and such influencers had them done and they look so happy and you want to be happy too and that's where you think you'll get happy go and get it done yes you'll have a surge of dopamine yes you'll have a surge of serotonin for a number of reasons first of all because you've done something that you think you know almost a placebo effect you've done something that you think will make you happy and also if you go and post something on socials about it or even walk around and go and see your friends or whatever there will be a lot of people saying oh my god I love it. It looks amazing. You look fantastic. Oh my gosh. Now that is positive reinforcement. Yeah. That's positive feedback for something. I can guarantee the minute that dopamine, those serotonin levels start to decline, which they will, they always do. You'll then be looking at in the mirror and going, oh, I need something else done. You'll go back and you'll have something else done. And you constantly have more and more and more and more done if you're getting it done for the wrong reasons. If you're seeing a practitioner who has no care nor consideration for what's unique and therefore beautiful about your face, they're just saying, oh, good, there's another mill there. Another mill can go in there. Another mill can go in there. We'll just do that. Yeah, fantastic. We'll break the face down into 20 different parts, put a mill in each area. Then you will, at the end of it, you'll be more unhappy and way less beautiful because you will have detracted from what's most beautiful about your face in the first instance that you're born with. And I can't stress enough that this slogan, this phrase coined by you, unique facial feature, starts with the word unique. We are not supposed to look like the influencers or the neighbor or the mum at pick up or who we're not supposed to look at them because we're unique mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I went out with a group of my girlfriends on well actually on uh Friday night to one one girl's 40th and then I left that party to go to a friend's 50th <laughs> and I looked around at all of my friends at both both of these celebrations not one of us looks the same. Like there is no way mm. that I could, that someone will walk in the room and go, are you, which ones are you? Oh gosh, I can't tell you apart. No. Whereas if you look at a lot of these people who are having each individual facial feature, feature treated to what, to the idea of that they think is perfection or the practitioner is telling them is perfection. Can you really tell them apart? They look so similar these days. So similar. 
There's nothing unusual or unique or different about them. How boring. How boring. How boring. Look, I think we can, oh, my goodness, we could talk forever on this. Um, And ultimately I think what I'm hearing is the chronic stress that can come from um, any type of idea of perfection. Yours was driven by helping people realise their own unique perfection And on the converse side of that, it was your patients coming in wanting to be their version of happy, perfect, or whatever it is for many different reasons. And I'm just going to direct you all back to the book to read these case studies because although they might not be your similar experiences, you you will definitely be provocated by them to challenge your own thinking. And as women, we can't sit and whinge about society and its expectations of us if we're not brave enough to break Mm. them off and do something about mm. it. So what would you say, you know, as as kind of your closing ideas, what would you want to leave us with with a the idea of a practitioner that is actually an advocate for women and their self-confidence and their self-love through the use of this option of non-surgical cosmetic enhancers? I'm not, I'm not sure I got mm. that phrase right. Yeah. But what would you want us to know? I think, and you've hit the nail on the head in terms of taking responsibility for your, yourself. Yes, it's good. It's good for us to to walk into professional people's office, whether that be lawyers, doctors, um, whoever, whoever it might be that we're going to see. But we're of a day and age, which is so fantastic, which where we can educate ourselves really, really well. So if you walk into a clinic. And they just, and you say, for example, were to say, I want my lips done. And they went, they go, yeah, sure. Excellent. You know, it'd be this much money. And they just start, that they go to start doing it, right? You need to see only a practitioner who sits there and analyzes your face and tells you, shares with you what your unique facial feature is, and then discusses why a particular treatment is not good and why a particular treatment is good for you. So the thing that I think for anyone who's considering treatment and treatment can be done so well, Mm. whereby it does, all the supporting actors do then go and lead back to that lead actor. It can be done so well when it's done right. It's not easy. It's not easy to do it subtly and do it so that the unique facial feature stands out for all the right reasons. It's really easy to overfill and overfreeze and shove stuff in every single place. So you need to educate yourself, empower yourself about what's unique about your face, what your unique facial feature is, and then see a clinician who only has that information, who only plans her treat their treatment plan for you based around that information. I love that keyword there for me. The takeaway is clinician. Yes. And, you know, I wouldn't go to my hairdresser for legal advice on a divorce. And, you know, I've had girlfriends that get Botox by their dentist. Yes. Like it's mental. So thank you for reminding us of our responsibility to ourselves to seek the professional that we require for each particular thing. And whilst we all can't, well, none of us can get into your clinic because you're so busy, but how, you know, how can we at least capitalise on your passion and your purpose for sharing and empowering women with the information that is needed? Where can we find you? Where can we follow you and be, you know, really helped by you? Yeah, I, I would obviously you've already mentioned it, which I'm so grateful for. Um, I did release the first edition of Beautiful Unique Faces back in 2020, but I have released a second edition of the book, which came out. Um, it came out in September of 2022. Oh, I do not have that one. Yes, I know. I figured that. Do you know how I figured that? Because <laughs> the page could... numbers that you said, and I was like, oh, oh, oh they're not. <laughs> I sent an. <laughs> Anita's copy is beautiful. Mine's full of post-it <laughs> notes and I sent 
<laughs> because we're both type A, I knew you'd appreciate it. But we I sent notes on page. I referred page numbers mm-hmm. to what I wanted to discuss. Um, okay, so get the correct version yeah, of the book. So, I, in fact, the the um, the first edition should be out of out of circulation anyway. So the second edition, which is available at all of your, you know, all of your online Amazon, Booktopia, all the rest of it. Um, it's also available in bookshops. You can also purchase it directly from us. Um, now our clinic or our, uh, my website is anitaeast.com and you can go there and you can find the shop and so forth. I released some uh, and, and all sorts of information about me on there as well and where to to kind of see what I'm up to. I'm I'm in chats with lots of people about doing other media things at the moment, which is really exciting. I released a set of affirmation cards. So 52 affirmation cards, unique beauty affirmation cards, which are great little takeaways from the book in terms of if you are having a moment where you're like, you know, inundated with perfect filtered facial features on your social media, put your phone down pick up the the affirmation cards and choose a card because it will guide you into, you know, into feeling better and finding joy straight away. So that's my idea is that you find joy through the cards. Um, Obviously that lighthouse. Yes. Back to the lighthouse, back to the lighthouse. And why do we call it a lighthouse? It's, it's, it's a guide in times of darkness. That's exactly what a lighthouse does. It guides you in times of darkness um, obviously, I've got Instagram, which is Anita East underscore. I've got Facebook, which is Anita East author. Um, but all that information, I'm sure, will be there. Yes, all, yes, it's all in the show notes. So head to the show notes. Um, we would love to continue this conversation if you're open, willing, and able on our Facebook community group, the Light Path community. So pop questions there. If you have a question for Anita, pop it there. I can pass it on to her. Um, but thank you so much for not only making the time today, that goes without saying I'm extremely grateful for that, but more so thank you for hearing the call of your passion and purpose and working so hard against the grain really mm. of an industry. Mm. I'm sure the industry dislikes you in a lot of um, <laughs> essence or the, the, the people making money out of it. Mm. Yes, it's been unsettling. It's been unsettling for them. Good. We love change makers. We love people that are brave enough to speak the truth, even when it's not the most popular opinion in the room. So that is really what we thank you for. Thank you so much, Nita. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Light Path Podcast. I hope that the information shared here has helped illuminate your path. Be sure to check out the show notes for links related to this episode. While you're there, remember to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you never miss an episode. I'm Kirsten Leo, and I can't wait to explore and expand our capacity for abundance, worthiness, and love together in the next episode.